As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. From the shores of Malibu, where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Las Vegas, where the UFC is coming, we are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about, but maybe afraid to voice. Do not worry, we will voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, UFC, politics, film, TV, you name it. But today, we've got a very special show. We have a repeat guest back, and there's a reason to have him back, because he was on a few weeks ago, and you know what? Forget about that. The whole world has changed, and he's back with us now. First off, hi, TJ. How are you? I'm good, Glad Bob. To be back. Don't worry about me. The man is here. Yeah, the man's here. We're here with the new superstar of the UFC. I said that before it was going to happen, and I'm saying it now because it has happened. Michael Chandler, wow, you're back. Unreal. Unreal. Your debut was unreal. I am, I am so happy to be here, man. These are the – it's funny – you know, these are the moments that you dream of, man. You you, uh, you visualize them, and but there was a lot of uncertainty since the last time we we spoke, um, and even a lot more uncertainty before before that testing free agency, signing with the UFC, coming over, and then finally getting my first fight in the UFC. Now here we are, just a couple of days removed, and got the victory. My face doesn't have a scratch on it, which is all fighters' dream. It's, it's a dream for all fighters. Speaking of you guys, this is this is a dream come true, man. It was amazing. You know, I mean, first off, we are back. And before we go into it, any jet lag? Uh, well, not so much jet lag. I'm, I'm clear as day all day long. I'm good. Problem is I wake up at 227. I woke up at 227 in the morning the last two nights. And right. then about six o'clock tonight, I'm going to start feeling like it's midnight. So, um, to, but tonight I'm taking my wife out to our favorite restaurant. His reservation isn't until six. So that means I'm at least staying up till 8 p.m. tonight, which is good. Last night I was in bed by like 7:40, which is bad. I need to, I need to stay up later so I, um, you know, sleep in a little bit longer. Um, but overall, I feel good good throughout the day. Yeah, a little advice: just try to stay up to at least 11 o'clock. Yeah, and I need to. It, but it's going to take a couple of days, and your and your whole system will come back. You know, I didn't realize it. Um, but you uh, saw your wife, your beautiful, beautiful wife, yours. I didn't get a chance to meet her, but I understand she's a doctor. Is that right? So she was a uh, physician assistant um, uh-huh. in the ER for eight years. And then, yes, yeah, she just merged. Um, she was in the second graduating class of what is a new program where you're merging, merging physician assistant to doctor of medical sciences. So she actually just did that, got her master's, got her third master's degree um, wow. about a year ago. Yeah, she's a I tell you what, you know, to have a woman by my side who motivates me, inspires me, you know, it's, it's, uh, we are so equally yoked in so many different ways. She is a career woman, um, which is a, a beautiful thing. It's also a tough thing because that means she's here in Nashville crushing life. And I'm away from her down in Florida training when I'm training. So she doesn't just come and, and just kind of be there with me, but, um, we make it work and, and she is, she is my soulmate. That's wonderful. I mean, you make a very handsome, beautiful couple. And uh, I think it's kind of like the way to explain that is brains and brawn. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's, and she's, she's got some brawn too. You know, she was a three sport athlete too. So she's, you know, we, uh, 
we, we, we are, we are very equally yoked in, in all of those different areas and it's, uh, it's good stuff. But yeah, now she, uh, it's funny too. Yeah. Cause she stitches me up and stuff. She'll, uh, she prescribes <laughs> me. She's like pres- prescribes me medicine. I went and got my, my jaw looked at yesterday by an ear, nose and throat doctor. And then his prescription was exactly what she was going to do. Anyway, she's like, good. I still got it. So it's all good, man. You're just totally home base. You got everything happening at home. Plus you have one, one child. Is that correct? One son, Hap. Yeah. So we actually celebrated his fourth birthday on January 23rd, which was the, the day that we fought, which technically, you know, you know, we fought on Sunday, but it was the 23rd yeah. back in the States. So technically I fought on his birthday. So January 23rd is a, will forever be one of the greatest days of my life. My son was born on January 23rd, my UFC debut, January 23rd. The next day, January 24th is my wife and I's, uh, this year it was eight year first date anniversary. So eight, eight years ago. Um, so man, life, life is good, buff. I tell you what, man, I'm going to call you buff. I like that. Like TJ called you buff. I feel like I can call you buff now. Now that we're friends, we're friends. Now that that you've announced, you've actually finally announced me inside the UFC octagon. So that's awesome. Yeah. We're friends for sure. You know, everything you just said is, um, I love that because I love the sanctity of marriage, even though I've never been married. I was a kid. I've almost been divorced twice, but never married. But mm-hmm. at the same time, um, it's a beautiful thing. And it sounds like total kismet. And I love how you mentioned that it's not your eighth anniversary. It's your eighth date anniversary. The first time you ever got to experience a moment with your wonderful wife. And I, I just I love that. I love hearing that. I love seeing you happy. And it's great. It's great. Who remembers so, that, Michael? Is that your doing? Is that her doing? Is it a mutual uh, memory? It's actually a mutual thing. January 24th, it's, it's funny. Uh, I, we sometimes almost forget that we, we were married in September because January 24th for us is kind of like our anniversary. And it's almost just kind of like our story. I don't know if we shared our story with you really, but like I had a crush on her for like eight years, seven years before we actually met because I knew of her and we had mutual friends and all that kind of stuff. So it was all, and then, and then we talked online and kind of on the phone a little bit and through email for almost a year and a half before she finally said yes to go on a date with me. So we wow. almost kind of knew how much we kind of like, we're going to like the other person. And I'm not joking when I say like, I for sure 100% knew that I was going to marry that, that girl on January 24th, whenever we first. Wow. Met. That's I, great. Without a shadow it. of a doubt, unless I was going to screw it up, like unless I was going to screw it up somehow, like she was the woman that I was going to marry and spend the rest of my life with. So January 24th for us is is a very, very big day. And we will always remember that day. I love this because in this day and age of, um, you know, divorce and everything that goes on, just this is like a movie. This is like a love story. And seriously, like, I, I just think it's so beautiful. This is really awesome. I didn't expect to get this out of you on the show, but I'm, I'm relishing every moment of it before we even talk about you throwing a punch. Yeah, that to, that to me is the biggest the biggest win of your life right there. It's awesome. Well, it is. It is. And it's truthfully why I fight, you know, at, at this point in my career, um, it, it, she, my, my wife, Bree and my son, half they are, they are what I'm fighting for. And obviously, you know, you guys knew how big this thing was going to get. Cause you guys are so ingrained in the UFC and how big they are and what they can do to you overnight. You know, it seems, seems like I've been an overnight success, right. But it took me 12 years to become an overnight success. It's funny um, how that works, right? It's funny yeah, how that works. Michael, you have been a success, but you're an overnight success because now you're in the show. Yeah. You're an overnight success in the UFC. You've been a success. You've been a yeah. champion. Now you're going to go to the next level and you've taken that first huge step. Mm-hmm. And right now, the future is so golden for you. Um, I love your attitude about when you won the fight, you didn't ask for a championship fight right away. You know, 
the attitude that you expressed, if I'm not incorrect, was that, you know, one or two more fights, earn the right to fight the champion, earn the right to embed yourself in the octagon in the UFC. That kind of humble attitude I love. Um, but I think it's very smart. I think it's a smart attitude. And if they came to you and they said, hey, you're fighting for the championship in two months, of course you're going to say yes. You know, I would assume. Exactly. Exactly. But awesome. And then um, you're at, we'll talk about the fight in a second, but uh, I had the pleasure of knowing Ric Flair. And breaking bread with him when I, in my days when I was working in the WCW with managing my brother, Michael, back, you know, back in the 90s, quite the character. And it's like when I heard that interview before anybody said before you said anybody put the Ric Flair label on, it, I was just ready to go, woo, you know, because <laughs> I felt it right there. Is that really where the motivation came from? Well, yeah, yes, um, but not necessarily because I'm the biggest WWE fan or Ric Flair fan, which I, I am more now uh, once I kind of dove into him and his career a little bit more. Um, but it was, it was funny because DC and Helwani on their show debated whether or not I should be in the video game. Ariel said I shouldn't have been in the video game because I hadn't fought in the UFC yet. And DC said, but yeah, he should be because he's like Ric Flair. When Ric Flair came over from WCW, he was a big superstar but even though he had, hadn't fought in the WWE yet, he came over to WWE, got the world title you know, match right away, and everybody was kind of you know, not happy about it. But he's Ric Flair. Michael Chandler's Ric Flair. You got to put him in the video game, even though he hasn't fought in the UFC yet. So I thought it was awesome. And then, then they kind of talked about the, this is the greatest day of my, my life and you know, the tear in my eye uh, and all that stuff. And I was like, well, let me take it and run with it a little bit. you know, uh, sure. And just, just had some fun. And, and it's, it's really caught on. And it's been, been a lot of fun. Hey, it worked. But listen, if Dan and I can be in the video game, never having thrown a punch inside the octagon, <laughs> maybe I have a little bit at some point in my life. I'm not <laughs> so sure. But if we could be in the video game, trust me, there's all the reason in the world why you as the warrior you are should be in the video game. So I got no problem with that. My God. Okay. Hey, now that I know. Go ahead. Let me let me tag off of that for a second, because Michael Chandler, we, we talked about this last time with you. You're, you're one of the greatest lightweights before ever fighting in the UFC. That's that's a fact. You can't look at your record and deny the fact that you're one of the greatest lightweights that the sport has ever seen. And, you know, while it feels to a lot of people like you're an overnight success, it was a very long road. And as an MMA purist, as a, as a fan that has covered the sport uh, for uh, I'm going on 15 years at this point, I worry sometimes that guys like yourself don't get the opportunities when they need to get them to sort of cement their their legacy um you know in the in the history books but you made the most of the opportunity uh what was that feeling like because as bruce said sometimes you just need to have that ufc stamp of approval before the the public sort of recognizes your accomplishments and maybe i'm thinking too far outside the box michael but when i when i saw what you did to dan hooker last saturday night it made me feel like you didn't only validate yourself now but anybody looking back in the history books of what you did in bellator they have to respect like yeah michael chandler's every bit as good as everyone said he was yeah, it was, it was nice to, it was definitely nice to do it, you know, and I think because everybody all kept saying, because there was a lot of doubt by a lot of people, a lot of, uh, a lot of criticism, a lot of um, this guy's, a, you know, nobody, he doesn't deserve this, he's, he's, he's going to get crushed, the, the, you know, and blah, and blah, and blah. Um, so everybody kept saying, you know, is this nice to shut up the doubters and prove them all wrong? And for me, it wasn't ever about proving the doubters wrong. More than anything, it was about proving myself proving my, my followers, my fans, the people that have been on this journey with me forever, proving them right, you know, giving them something to freaking fist bump, cheer about and say, man, been following that kid since his Mizzou days, been following that kid since, 
the small shows and strike force and through Bellator and through all the ups and all the downs and following that guy. And now I can, now we can all finally look to our left, look to our right and say, did I tell you that this guy was actually the real deal? And that feels great. Um, I by no means am going to hang my hat on just knocking out Dan Hooker and calling myself um, one of the greats. Trust me, I got a lot, a lot left to accomplish and I can't wait to do it. Um, but it was definitely a great first step. I don't think you could have ever scripted a, a better introduction into this next chapter of my life, this blank page, this blank canvas that I'm able to start writing my story down and, and each brush stroke of this canvas, building this masterpiece that I can someday show my son and, and what will someday be my legacy of who Michael Chandler is and how he impacted the world. Let, let me just take off of that one, one second, Bruce, because when I think about that first step and I think about uh, UFC debuts, this has actually surpassed my uh, number one all-time UFC debut in the past, which was also held by a former Mizzou Tiger. I thought Tyron Woodley had one of the most dominant UFC debuts ever. And, and what you did to Dan Hooker, Mike, that, that was way bigger and, and better than what Tyron did to Jay Huron. So uh, the Mizzou Tigers got a little bit of MMA history in that octagon. Yeah, it's, it's great, man. And it's funny, too, because if you talk to Coach Brian Smith, all of our, all of our coaches – um, he didn't like the sport of mixed martial arts. He didn't like us going into MMA. Uh, we've kind of wore him down over the years after he saw that, okay, we can make a pretty good living at it and have, have some great success and have a great platform to, to, to reach the youth. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, serendipitous, kind of, kind of interesting and funny that our coach, you know, he definitely didn't push him into it because everybody thought coach Smith's trying to churn out some MMA fighters. It was quite the contrary. He wanted us to get our degree try to become an all American or a national champion and then go off into the workforce and, and be a functioning high functioning member of society. Tyron, Ben and I are all doing that. Uh, it just turns out that we do it in a more uh, pugilistic type of way for now. Absolutely. And you know, um, it's kind of like a book. When I read a book, the first few pages have to grab me. When I watch a movie, the first few minutes have to grab me and watching your career, that first fight, everything in the up to the fight has grabbed the entire world and UFC fans. You have this base now to feed off of, to grow with, to build your brand with. It's just so golden. It really is. I, I, I can't say how much I'm proud of you, how everything worked out. Um, you know, with your training and everything you've done, you've been training now for eight weeks or whatever your course is. Uh, you haven't had a drink. You haven't had, you know, a pizza or maybe what you really like to eat. And I know that uh, when you got home, something that I sent you kind of relaxed you a little bit. How did you enjoy it? There you are, baby. Puncher's chance. That's what Puncher's you're all about. Chance. It is. Yes, I did. The, you did it to me at, at the at possibly it's great now, but at the worst possible time, you sent it to me during yeah. training camp. <laughs> Luckily, it's beautiful to look at. That was the first thing that caught my eye. I was like, man, it's a really unique bottle. Like I, I love the dark ombre where it kind of loosens up or lightens up a little right. bit where you can actually see the liquor inside but the dark bottle um but you sent it to me during training camp when i couldn't drink it now i got, i was able to crack it open last night um just delicious man i i am a huge as as we talked i'm a huge bourbon guy um so it's smooth 90 proof but still extremely smooth delicious and uh Definitely going to have some more tonight and uh, probably going to have to have you send me another bottle pretty darn soon. You just, <laughs> and you I, just, love, I, I love this too. Sorry, I got to say this. I know you know this, Bruce, but my favorite, for those who started early, stayed late day after day, love it. Like they started early, stayed late day after day because that's really – I'm a small-town kid, blue-collar family. My dad's always started early, pulled, him, pulled himself up by his bootstraps every single morning, 5 a.m., and stayed late. Worked two and three jobs my mom and dad did to, to give me every possible scenario, every possible chance to be as successful as I am today. So 
those words hit home to me. And I was, and I was reading them as I was drinking it last night and it was just, it felt like I was drinking home, man. It was awesome. That's so cool here. This bump to you, my man. I love that. Felt like I was drinking home. My goodness. Talk about a a feeling. I was drinking. Yeah. Now, you know, drinking a little piece of high, high Ridge, Missouri, drinking a little piece of Jefferson County, Missouri. That whole explanation, everything. I'm going to have a case of Puncher's Chance sent to your house. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, I'm having a super, we're having a Super Bowl party here at, this, at our house uh, on the Super Bowl, obviously, whatever that is, February right. 6th. So let me make I a note here. I'm going, to do my be- I'm going to do my best to get it to you by the Super Bowl. Okay. I'm, I'm putting it right down here, Mike. And thanks oh, for that man. post you put on. I really appreciate that. It's delicious. Um, the the party is now officially sponsored by Puncher's Chance. Michael, Puncher's so. Chance. Yes. Yep. Yes, <laughs> it's all great though. That's good. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna do more with you in the future. I promise. I and besides that. that, you're the epitome of why I made this bourbon. You're the epitome, not necessarily the underdog, but I know at times like myself, we're all underdogs, and it's all about that one punch that can change your life. And you just threw it. You mm-hmm. just threw it on the twenty third, and sure. and it's gonna change. Let, let's so let, talk about that real quick. You were the underdog, Michael, which which I thought was surprising in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, you have this proven track record. I mean, don't get me wrong. Dan Hooker's a, a, a big proven commodity in the UFC, Absolutely. but but the fact that you you know closed at, at plus money was a, a bit surprising to me. Were you aware of that come fight time? I was, and I loved it. You know, the, the hardest part about, you know, because just real quick, I, I think people underestimate how hard it is to be the favorite in every single fight. I, I mean, I was, I was supposed to finish and beat every single guy that I had beaten in the last couple of years in the first round. And if I didn't, it was, I was, I was falling short, you know? So to step into the UFC octagon, to be an underdog, to fight a, a top six guy, top five guy and Dan hooker, I, it was warranted. Like you said, I mean, he essentially Dustin Poirier is an uncrowned champion right now in the division. A lot of people are saying, or at least he is saying, and he went a 25 minute war with Dustin Poirier, had him hurt and on the ropes um, a couple times. Um, the, his war with Paul Felder. He, I mean, the, the guy is an absolute warrior. So he is, has a proven tack record as well. And I was the new blood, the new guy. You got to factor in the other things, the outside circumstances of octagon jitters, first time on the big stage. How am I going to, how am I going to compete? How am I going to show up? Um, everything was new. So luckily we, uh, we, we passed that test with fi- flying colors, I believe. And, and, uh, and kind of staked our claim as one of the best in the world right now. That's awesome. You know, actually Poirier is coming on our show today after you. Nice. And I know he respect, he's a very much a gentleman and I'm sure he respects your win tremendously, even though you two may go toe to toe, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, what did you think about Poirier's win and his game plan against Connor? I think it was great. You know, I think, uh, I think everybody kind of said it, and I, I and he was also thinking the same thing. Listen, Conor Conor McGregor, um, him, maybe Francis Ngannou. You know, there's a couple other guys who are the scariest guys in the world in those first couple rounds, especially Conor McGregor. If he hits you with that precise, powerful left hand, anybody's going out. So I think I think Poirier knew I got to weather that weather the early storm and and put it on him later in the rounds. Turns out it didn't go, you know, third, fourth, and fifth round. But I think the game plan was that. Um, and kind of keep his, his back up against the cage, let Connor pursue him. That low calf kick was, was genius. Um, Beautiful. Obviously being southpaw, southpaw versus southpaw, that, that leg was there for the taking. Um, and then as soon as he had Connor kind of hurt, he landed a couple big shots. He, he kind of flipped the script and he got Connor up against the cage. And when Poirier gets you up against the cage, I feel like there's not a better guy in that range and in that, in that, um, that fight 
right. than a Dustin Poirier with a, his opponent up against the cage, and, and it was just too much for Connor. Yeah, I'm with you all the way, and I think it was six unanswered punches taking Connor down to, uh, down and then on the ground. But also with Connor's wide uh, karate stance that he comes in with, I noticed he didn't check the kick. You know, when you're that wide, it's not always easy to check the kick as yeah. well. So uh, that was not a good thing, getting hit I, by that calf kick. I, I will say, too, he made a movement. He made some effort to do on at least some of those calf kicks. He made an effort. But the problem was what he was saying was the angle wasn't quite enough to actually check the kick. Right. Truthfully, um, I like if you go back and watch my fight with Dan Hooker, instead of instead of trying to take that leg out um, and face it outward and, and face that shin bone towards the kick like like most people check a kick, I literally just pull the leg back. I pull the leg back. I pull the heel to my butt. It's going to do minimal damage, um, and the leg's going to be loose enough to where the leg kind of hits and hits and kind of goes through it rather than landing on a hard surface. Um, so if you go back and watch my fight with Dan Hooker, how I was kind of moving my foot back a little bit, um, not on all of them. I ate a couple of them, which was ill-advised. Um, but that was kind of just what my brain says to do on those low calf kicks, just pull my heel to my butt. You're going to take a little bit of damage, but not quite as much as Connor did with his foot firmly planted on the ground. Planted down, yeah. It was essentially like chopping down a tree. Those roots were in the ground, and it was just maximum impact. Yeah, I love that technique you just explained. I totally agree with that. And I'll tell you one thing that was pressed me with Connor, um, even in loss. Uh, this is the Connor McGregor, and I expressed my attitude in the past about Connor's antics and stuff. You know, he does have the it factor. He's brought so many eyeballs to the UFC. He's an amazing warrior. And I like Connor a lot, but I don't like some of the things that happened in the past. But the way he handled himself this whole week, you know, being a gentleman, being a role model to the sport in, in, and also humble in defeat. I mean, I was impressed by that. And I really like that. And you, you know, you handle yourself that way all the time. I'm big on that. As you know, you got to know me enough now. So mm -hmm. I, I really like seeing that in Connor. Um, I thought this was uh, even though in defeat, it's a plus for him moving forward. Uh, hopefully even increases his hunger as comfortable as he is in life because being that comfortable and still wanting to go in and go toe to toe as a warrior, that takes a lot of intestinal fortitude to do that, to make that happen. I, I completely agree. And, and I love, I love this side of Connor. I do. I think, uh, you know, I think there's the there's the couple stages that we all go through in life, right? In the very beginning, it's it's uh, survival. You're just trying to survive. Whether it's being a child, you just you need those basic necessities, and then you you grow up and you're just trying to survive into becoming a young man or a young woman. And then you you kind of you you move into success. And then once you've had success, which Connor had success, then you move into significance. Once you've had all the success and all the money and all the fame you move into that significance and it's much easier, much, much more impactful to be significant and, and make a, a significant contribution to, to the human race. If you are operating with the type of aura and integrity and cara, uh, character and positivity that, that Conor McGregor is on right now. That's true. Um, I will, I will say, I almost fear that Conor's not going to perform at the level that he normally would without that persona. That's a question. Um, it's a, it's a kind of a scary thing and almost, almost a question that you don't really want the answer. You don't want the, you don't want the answer because I like this side of Connor. I just don't know if he mentally can get there to the nasty Connor that we've seen in the past who has to do that because he feeds off of that crowd. He feeds off of, off of, the banter he feeds off of the trash talk he feeds off of breaking guys before he even gets into into the octagon usually um maybe who knows maybe his next fight we're, we're back to kind of normal and he's got twenty five thousand screaming fans and it energizes them and there's 
uh, Irish flags flying everywhere and only one Conor McGregor. And it, and it kind of, we see that, that old Conor, I don't know, but I do like the new Conor. I'm with you on that. Well, we will see, but I think innately being the warrior that he is, is the worry that you are, um, innately you're always the fighter that you are so i think that maybe there's going to be a happy median he can meet in between without overstepping it to a classless type of situation and if it's called stay classy but still feed the energy feed what the people want and he's really brilliant at you know his trash talk and everything else connor will figure it out there's an evolutionary process here that even though he's been in the game for many years we're all going through an evolutionary process through our entire careers so this experience will change, hopefully make him, you know, better in so many different ways for the Conor McGregor that we all love to see. And I know that you would love to fight. Constantly, give him the yeah, chance. For sure. Yeah. And constantly yeah. evolving. I mean, like we talked about, you know, he's a father now. Um, he, he's maturing now. He's we're all finding ourselves because we're constantly ever evolving, you know, and I, I went over a over a, a deep dive maturation process over the last couple of years too, with my mindset coach, me, me realizing that my, my strength comes from being living on both ends of the spectrum on one end of the spectrum. I am completely joyful and happy and I want to be a positive uplifting person. But then on the other side, I am that nasty, dangerous human being that steps inside that UFC octagon now and somewhere in between is where the rubber meets the road. And that's where, that's where people are drawn to me, you know, and even and even in, you know, happy character, integrity, operating with positivity, you still got to stay dangerous. And that's why, uh, you know, I printed up some shirts and stuff when because it's just a, a kind of a moniker for me that always reminding yourself that the, all of the best of those out there who have accomplished great things, even in their integrity, in their character, in their joy, in their positivity, they always lived with a little bit of danger, always lived and stayed a little bit dangerous. Don't lose that. That's exactly what you need is the eye of the tiger. When yep. you get in the octagon after I'm done announcing you and the referee says go, the shark eyes come over. One of the greatest examples of that was George Foreman, who I've known for years. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. When he was younger, he wasn't, and he self-admits that. But, man, when he got in that boxing ring and that bell rang, it's time to go to war, man. It was mm-hmm. all, it's all about it. Listen, Michael, I, I'm so proud of you. I really am. And I want you back on the show. Our friendship is something I value. I, I love your your whole family attitude. I, I think it's great. I can't wait to read the book and I can't wait to see the movie because you know what? You're writing it right now. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a dream come true. And it's, uh, I can't believe it's all, I mean, I can't believe it's, it's worked out so well. You know, I got to start believing that, that, that great things are going to continue to happen. And oh yeah, hopefully I get that call soon. We figure out when, uh, when we're fighting next and who knows, maybe it's for a title. Well, you deserve it. You're going to get that call. And I'm going to try and get this case of Puncher's Chance, if not a few bottles to you, by the time Super Bowl comes around. Shoot me a video, you guys, having fun. Who do you pick? Who's the pick? It's Kansas City minus three. Well, who's your call? Chiefs. Got to go Chiefs. I'm a, I'm a Missouri boy, so we're going, we're going Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, even though I think what, what Tom Brady has done over the last couple decades is nothing short of amazing. He's absolutely ridiculous. So I'll That's- see I, I press I pressed the wrong button and now Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier are both in the in the room here. <laughs> exactly. uh, don't fight. No no punches, guys. Exactly. I know you respect each what, other. <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> what's I kicked I mean, in the door. Th- these are the kicked, two in the door, man. nicest dudes, I think, uh in in the lightweight division. I don't think we're gonna have to worry about fireworks, but my God, I'd love to see it in the octagon down the road. Oh, uh, what a gentleman. Two two absolute gentlemen, the two of my favorites of all time. There's no question. Uh, Dustin, can we put Dustin on video, or we got to wait till Michael? That, that, that's on that's on Dustin's side. I uh, I don't control his video output, but oh, Dustin, uh, can, you hit, can you hit your video button, Michael? We're just about to say goodbye good. to Michael. Get you in here. All right. There we go. There What's he is. Up? 
Now, now it's like CNN over here. We got uh, <laughs> we got Nashville and Michael Chandler. Uh, Dustin, are you back in uh, in in uh, Louisiana? I can't hear Dustin now. Uh, Mike, we'll, we'll let you get out of here, Mike. Yeah, uh, appreciate it. Congrats, and uh, I'm sure we'll country. chat soon. I'm back. Oh, there he is. <laughs> All right, listen, we're gonna can we're gonna. You hear say- me? We yeah. got you, Dustin. There you okay. are. Like, there you are. There it is. I feel like I got to announce a fight now. Who's in the record? Don't, do don't, do <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. We need I'm some downtime. We need some downtime. We want to just want to hang out the family. But well deserved <laughs> for both of you guys. Th- thanks yeah, a lot, yeah, Michael. Man. All right. I appreciate you guys, man. You guys have a good one, man. I'll see you at the top. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Big okay. cheers, man. Bye. Big cheers. See you. Thank you. Dustin Poirier, how are you, sir? Yo, what's up, man? There he just, is. Uh, just. We we may need Dustin to turn. We may need Dustin to turn off his video because I think his video is slowing down his connection a little bit. He's hustling and grinding. He's out there I, driving. Here, let's give us a few words, Dustin. Actually, uh, I'm actually pulling up to my house and it's gonna. All right, Dustin, do me a favor. Turn off your video. We got the. Uh, we'll just have you on the uh, audio. Now he 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 said he said that he's just getting home, Bruce. I'm oh. I'm assuming that he's going to uh, connect to that Wi-Fi here in a minute. And then yeah, we'll we'll have we a could, diamond yeah, rated yeah, uh, internet connection. That was Michael Chandler. It was great to have him on. And now we're having on the man who took out the man who is on his way to being the man who is the man of my friend and a man I totally respect. And God, I love to watch you fight. Dustin Poirier, thanks for coming on the show. Wow. Wow. For, wow. I appreciate that introduction. And thanks for sending the invite, man. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, you're back. Any jet lag at all? A little bit. You know, I've been waking up at like 4.30-ish every morning here in Louisiana. I'm on central time. But other than that, I've been feeling pretty good. Well, that's good. But you know what? The performance you put on, Dustin, uh, leading up, I mean, first off, I love the way you handle yourself. I love the fact that you're a gentleman. Uh, You fight with, you know, honor, a true martial artist. Your game plan Saturday night was phenomenal. I, I never pick winners in fights, but people ask me about how this fight was going to go. And when I told them about how I thought your game plan would go, I have to say I was about 80% correct. And I was so impressed watching you as you slowly chopped down the warrior, Conor McGregor, to win that fight. It was amazing. Your emotional reaction afterwards, I could just imagine what was going through your mind at that time. You accomplished so much for your family, for your life, for your future, for your, your uh, legacy, everything. How does it truly feel to you right now? Is it, is it sort of surreal? Or is it sunk in? I'm, I'm, it feels incredible for sure. It, it, um, I, I, it's hard to say. I, I feel like I'm on cloud nine, but I feel like that with any, any victory, I'm just very thankful, you know, very thankful that we both made it out there. We passed all the COVID tests. We're both healthy. Um, we both left the octagon relatively healthy and I'm just, you know, in a place of gratitude. Exactly. You know, and a lot of people, the big thing out of the, out of the fight that happened that people talk about aside from your stellar performance is the calf kick right now. Connor with his wide stance didn't check that kick and you took total advantage of it. Um, the angles that you threw it at, uh, it was so sharp. Was this a specific plan for yours? Was this like out of the top three things you had to come at Adam with? Was this one of the secret weapons? This was one of the big ones that we wanted to use, um, you know, and every fight's different. So I don't really put a whole lot into single things when it comes to fighting i kind of like to keep keep an open mindset but this is something me and mike brown and my coaches have talked about and something i was working through training camp you know the thing with with putting so much into a technique like if this was our game plan to to tear his leg up 
And what if I'd have got in there and he'd have checked, started checking the kicks and hurt my foot and I wouldn't be able to throw that. Then I would have been scrambling, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. The game plan was to fight. And, and damn, I'm good at that. Um, to, to mix it up, to mix it up, you know? Yeah, you do it. Go ahead, TJ. I was just going to say the thing that I liked uh, about this fight and the result of it, Dustin, was a lot of people were saying it was going to be Connor early or, or yourself late. And you didn't wait. You went out there and, and like you said, you fought. And, and I think that was really key to this victory, especially when you think about how long Connor's been away. It was a, a year. And, and you got to think that, you know, ring rust, it's, it's subjective. Some people say it's a thing, others don't. Uh, well, I did subscribe to the idea that if Connor was going to win he would do it early uh, and, and you would be more likely to win this fight in the latter rounds uh there's something also to be said about not letting connor get settled and that's that's something that you didn't do w was that uh, a point to uh you know really sort of focus on to not let connor get comfortable yeah that in every fight you know you want to keep the guy off rhythm and and make sure they're uncomfortable but the the, the real thing the real plan was to let this fight unfold and blossom and let me get a rhythm going and let me read his timing and rhythm so I can start landing my shots. And, and going back to Connor's inactivity, you know, I, we, we both fought once in 2020. I only had one fight last year as well. Right. But I, I think, you know, the Connor sort of schedule is this, it's a, it's a one time a year type of thing. You're, you're much more ingrained in MMA and, and a factor uh, more, more than he is like, I mean, no disrespect to Connor, but, Connor to me has a lot to prove still at, at 155 pounds. I understand where his ranking was, but you know, you, you're a guy that, you know, it, former interim champion, you, it, it's not surprising that, that you're more, you know, I, I think a, a bit more comfortable in, in the octagon than say Connor, maybe. I can see that. Yeah. Oh, um, I can feel it. I can feel it watching him. It, it's, it's totally there. Uh, TJ, go ahead, TJ. I, I was just going to say, uh, one of my favorite things when Dustin Poirier fights is that he uh, carries the uh, the Thug Jitsu banner, the one uh, flown by Eve Edwards. And, you know, loyalty is something in this sport uh, that, that is few and far between sometimes, unfortunately. Talk about your decision to still be a Thug Jitsu fighter and, and your relationship with Eve, who, in my opinion, is one of the greatest fighters of all time. And I agree with you on that. Me and Eve's uh, friendship go go back. It goes back long, a long ways, man. A, a lineage of, of fighting with me and Eve. My, my former head coach and a good buddy of mine who, who showed me the ropes uh, up at the beginning of my professional career, Tim Crater, used to corner Eve in pride. You know, they, they had a gym together in Houston, Texas. And I met Eve through Tim Crater. And, and Eve was living in Austin, Texas at the time. So I was younger in my career, and Eve always used to bring in wrestlers. He would always have college wrestlers in Texas, staying at his house, helping him work on his wrestling. And I didn't have that, you know, that, that, that was some of the first looks that I've ever got of being underneath a real solid wrestler. So I would drive up, it's a six hour drive. I would drive up to Austin, Texas, and I would stay there a week and just wrestle, wrestle, wrestle with Eve and his guys. And, and that's kind of how it started. Me and Eve's uh, relationship and friendship. You know, and, and going back to, to representing Thug Jitsu in the UFC, I don't, I, me and Eve might be the only guys to ever fight under that banner. But in true Thug Jitsu fashion, as Eve was when he knocked out Josh Thompson, he was an uncrowned champ, and I'm sitting in the same position here. It's funny how that works, right? Like, I, I feel like you need to have a, a belt with a smiley face on it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the old Thug Jitsu logo. Yeah. 
I there's there's two styles that I love saying when I'm announcing fighters. One is kung fu fighter, you know, which Roy Nelson started me saying off. There's something about it when saying that. But I love when I say thug jitsu fighter. I just hold I just love the ring of that. It brings back my memories of Eve fighting, and you just keep them going when you're in there, you know, doing your thing. Really. I, I know Dustin's a thug jitsu fighter, but what do you do to get thug jitsu master status? Is is there something that you can get on that level? I'm trying my best. I just got to keep working, man. Stay, just keep working. Well, let's talk about keep working. Okay, Dustin, you've been in this game so so many years. I've announced you so many times. But the transition and the evolutionary process over the last couple of years, you just keep getting better, right? What do you attribute this to? Is this, I mean, I, I know what you attribute it to your drive and your passion for the sport, but not many fighters can do that. Not many fighters have gone through what you've gone through just to come back and reign supreme and shine the way you shined over the, what, what feeds that? What, what gets you, you man. to go to that it's, next level? I, I, I tell this to younger fighters too, is staying in the, in the student mindset. Like I know that I don't know everything and I'm not walking around acting like I do uh, when it comes to training and when it comes to the gym. I try to be an open book. I try to learn something from everyone. And whether they have five fights or 50 fights, I can learn something. I can pick their brain. I can watch them train. I can train with them and find something. Everybody does things slightly different. And some things work for people. The one thing, something that might work for somebody and not, and not somebody else. So I just like to try different things and, and, and remain a student. If I stay that mindset, I feel like I'll, I'll always keep getting better. Brilliant. Love it. Love that attitude. Now, I heard a comment. I don't know whether it's from you or not, that there's two or three fights left. I mean, how can you judge that being on top of the mountain right now? You know, two how, do you, how do you do that for me? Yeah. I, um, I recently I'm not saying I'm, I'm just asking you because like right now you're on top of the mountain that the world is your oyster. Is that what you see or are you taking it fight by fight? I'm still taking it fight by fight. I just want to fight the right fights. You know, I'm just we'll see what happens. Um, I think the smoke's still clearing and, and things are settling. We'll see what the UFC does after they get together and, and they get a plan of attack with the division. I, I'm all ears. I, I just I'll wait for the phone call, I guess. But I'm just taking it one fight at a time right now. I'm back home uh, enjoying time with my family. I, I'm excited to be back in Louisiana and help my, my buddies here, local fighters here. Um, just stay in the gym and, and, and keep working. You know, I have a lot of things going on. Dustin, you said you said to, through the the fence to Daniel Cormier that you don't love fighting. What did that mean? I'm just honestly um, in a place in my life where, you know, I'm I'm I. The only thing I love about fighting is the fight itself. Just years and years of watching this game and watching the way the fans are and, and watching the way the media is and and watching the way these. A lot of fighters are. It's just a turnoff to me, man. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just not in love with it like like I used to be. Well, seven figures. I love can, fighting. I don't. I don't love the fashion show of everything else. I I can understand what you're saying there, but you know, your own personal passion to whatever level you can carry it, and seven figures or more can change a lot of family ties. You know, when it comes to the fights coming up. I mean, you're making great money now. It's only going to get bigger. I hope, pray, and want for you. Um, yes, who do you think they're going to come at you with? Do you have any idea? I mean, who, who do you think they're going to throw at you? I think they're going to try to do a Connor trilogy. That's what I think. I think if that's going to happen, it would happen in the next three, three months or so, four months, wouldn't it? Yeah, I know for sure Connor and, and his team were pushing for it to be sooner than later. And right. uh, I mean, we both have a knockout over each other, so it's only right to do it again. But at the same time, I am in the, in the number one position in the, in the division. 
and there's a lot of, of, of contenders. So I don't know what the UFC is going to do. Well, you know, I mean, honestly, dollars and cents, obviously the Connor fight is the money fight, you know, uh, hopefully pay-per-view points, all the beautiful things that, you know, you should get uh, going in. Sorry, Dana, I had to say it, <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that it's your choice. You know, they're going to give you the choice, but it's your choice. And um, it's a hey, perfect we're, trilogy. We're, it's a perfect trilogy. Knockout, knockout. Right. It's a better than that. The rubber match makes a lot of sense. And, and yeah. Dustin, you said, you know, going into this fight that, you know, you should be the champion now. You you and Connor are right there. You could have put a, a, a title fight uh, at the top of this bill. You know, with the win over Connor now, if you guys were to rematch, do you think that fight could still qualify uh, as a, a championship fight? Or does the way that the last one uh, concluded uh, maybe compromise uh, those ambitions? It's tough to say, man. You know the way the UFC works. They, they, they do what they want. I, I have no clue. But to me, I feel like if we do the same exact fight again, well, it'll be – the third time, so we're one and one, right? All that stuff. But I feel like if that's the case, they just we took an opportunity away from me because I went out there on a huge night, pay-per-view main event across the world, and I and I did what everyone thought I wasn't going to do. I feel like I should have been awarded a, a championship status right there, you know. That's why I actually think that maybe a title fight would almost make more sense this time around because you have closed that gap. I mean, you you were a, a sizable underdog on Saturday night. I, I got to believe you're the favorite in in a rubber match. And you know, anytime Conor McGregor is at the top of a bill, uh, you're the number one contender for all intents and purposes. Uh, you know, as much as anyone can be a number one contender uh, in this sport, I, I think uh, you fight again. The the winner walks out with the belt wrapped around their waist. Time will tell. It's all exciting. The future's looking good, man. You know what? Things. The bottom line is, Dustin, you have such an amazing and great attitude, the perfect attitude for a fighter, in my opinion. And I've been around fighters over 30 years of my life. Uh, it's, you know, they point, you shoot, right? Take on anyone, any given tie, time, anywhere, anytime. And that's the attitude. And you're in shape 365 days a year. Every time I see you, you're ready to go on two weeks' notice. Not that that should be the case in your next fight. So that open attitude... And just go in and do your business is your attitude's great. That's why that's why you are where you're at. It's it's it, it's so mental. This game is so mental, as you know. Aside from your amazing skills, you've got the full circle, my friend. You know, Thanks, you really Bruce. do. I appreciate I, it, man. Hey, where I, do I, we get this hot sauce? Yes, you can. Uh, we it's crazy, man. We we got we got an, another batch about to drop. We we completely had sold out, but you get it at heatnist.com, or you can get it. You can go to my website diamondpourier.com. Uh, Google it, Poirier's hot sauce. Hey, do you have a bottle you can show us on the screen with you right there? I do. Want me to grab one? Please. Yeah, grab one. Show us show our audience, please. Got you. I, I love the branding, Bruce. That's one thing that I think the sport has been missing for so long, and you've been at the forefront of it, and now we see, you know, Connor with Proper 12, and and you're involved in the whiskey game, and now the diamond here with with, uh, with hot sauce. It, it's so cool to see this uh, this grow and evolve. Let's get a full that. screen. Let's get a full screen of this, TJ. I love I that. Can't, I don't know how to do okay. that, Bruce, but, yeah, I mean. That is awesome. That's I'll very cool. Right there. I, I love that. I, I'm curious, Dustin, is is it more uh, heat or is it more flavor? Is it a combination of the, the two? It's 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 not hot. It dep- I mean, everybody's different, right, when, when it comes to right. Scoville units. But it's got a little burn, but n- nothing crazy. You can enjoy this. I like know, it. I like it's it. flavor. It's flavor, like- and I'm very proud of it. I'm a fan of hot sauce big time, so I'm, I'm looking forward to trying that. By the way, did the puncher's chance arrive yet? 
I haven't got it yet, but I'm waiting. I'll let you know. I'll shoot you a text. It it arrived. It's more than a puncher's chance. I saw it unfold in the octagon (laughs) on Saturday. (laughs) Hey, I made this. I made this bourbon with with people like Dustin in mind. Okay, because this truly is an example. Dustin, an example of puncher's chance. I can't wait for you to get it. Got two bottles coming in today, if not by tomorrow. Um, You know, shoot me a little vid or something, but only if you like it. Okay, because you're a bourbon aficionado. I am. I am. That's what I love. Last thing before Dustin gets out of here, I, I, I want to make sure that we mentioned the, the Good Fight Foundation and how people can get involved in that because that, that's a fantastic movement. You can go to the goodfightgroup.com. Um, it's the Good Fight Foundation on all social media handles, but the goodfightgroup.com. You can read about things we've done in the past, things we, we have coming up, and our current fight that we're in right now, raising money for the Boys and Girls Club of Acadiana. That's awesome. You know, Dustin, hey. I... I know I'm, I might be saying this too much, but it's fighters like you that keep me in this game. I'm going to celebrate my 25th anniversary, February 16th, where I walked in the octagon and buy them on Puerto Rico in 1996. And now I'm in this game with more passion than ever. And the reason why is because of fighters like you, Dustin, my friendship with you, but just watching you the way you handle yourself. And I want to thank you for that because it, it feeds my fire. Thank you so much. Really. Thank you. It means, it means a lot. Yeah, it means a lot to me, too. Is there anything you want to tell our audience uh, at all? You know, anything else they want to share? You can promote the hell out of anything. It's all good. <laughs> no, the, the foundation, the hot sauce, I think we covered it all. Uh, I, I appreciate everyone's support. Thank you, man. It's, you know, most of my career has been in Zufa since the WEC days. And uh, before that, I had a documentary come out on Netflix and Showtime. So people have been following my career since I was a very young man. And I just thank you for for tuning into my journey, man. It's been crazy. And, I, and there's still, still more to go. Well, we're going to keep your journey on because I want to have you back on as your journey proceeds. And I saw that special and I was taken very much with that. And you know how much I like your mom and dad and your wife. And it was great to see him there. I gave your mom and dad a big hug as they were walking with you out of the octagon after you won the fight. And your wife was real nervous before the fight. And she was so happy after the fight. You have a beautiful family, Dustin, all my best Thank to you. you. So Best wishes about everything, my friend. And I can't wait Thanks. to get in that octagon and have the honor of sharing and roaring your name again soon. Really. Oh, man. Looking forward to it. All right, brother. You take care. You too. Thanks, Dustin. Thank right. you. Just stay safe, yep. brother. Great, uh, great show today to have these two fine warriors on who are more than just fighters. They're, they're great human beings. Everything, everything displayed. And that's My what you want, fighter. right, Bruce? Yeah, like, I mean, you know, we, you know me, you know we, me. We always talk about, you know, living vicariously through these athletes as, as fans. You know, that's what most people do. They, they gravitate towards uh, people that sort of represent themselves uh, in, in sports. And maybe Michael Chandler or Dustin Poirier don't represent exactly everyone, but I think they are the example that everyone truly sort of wants to be right. You know, people that make the world a better place, not only in their own personal careers, but you know, for the world as a whole. And I think Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier are, you know, shining role models and examples of, of who you would like the next generation of, of athletes to aspire to be. Well said TJ. I couldn't said any better. And you know me, I'm always a man of many words. I'm going to shut up because you just put it perfectly. <laughs> it's all good. With that note, uh, go ahead and let's sign off. Anything I mean, that's, that, that's it for me, Buff. Uh, if people want to check out uh, the things that I do, uh, follow me on Twitter, at TJ DeSantis, or uh, you know, check out my show, Extra Rounds, which is available uh, anytime on UFC Fight Pass. Well, 
I got to tell you, too, that this is the first show we've not had a news story on because I don't want to talk about the news. Think about so that, though, for a minute. That's time. how good this show was. That's how good this was. And I'm just sitting here so honored and enamored that we had these two great warriors on with the attitudes they display because they are the role models that I preach about all the time. And with that being said, everybody, I will not be at the UFC on Saturday. I will be back uh, for February 6th UFC. Look forward to seeing the show this Saturday, though. It's going to be a heck of a show. Um, got a lot to do here. Puncher's Chance is now going to be in 165 Bevmo stores in California, Costco in Texas, Winn-Dizzy in, in uh, Florida. And uh, it is just growing like hotcakes, breaking records, folks. And we just got a 9.5 rating by the top rating uh, spirit company in the States. And we are told that Puncher's Chance literally is one of the finest bourbons on the market. I'm very, very proud about this. The, the, you you might need to lay off sipping it before the show because there <laughs> there, there is no UFC on Saturday, Bruce. No, There's no fights this weekend, so no, no one will be there. Oh, no. February 6th. February 6th. What am I saying? The and year's you know flying what? by, isn't it? Like I'm, I, I'm I, jet lagged. I'm jet lagged. Jeez. Sorry, you I'm know tough. what? I will be in the octagon on February 6th. <laughs> so I'll see you all for the octagon on February 6th. But we'll be back with the show beforehand. So we'll talk about the February 6th UFC. It's oh, five o'clock somewhere, Buff. It's fine. Somewhere, somewhere. I'm, I'm getting. I okay. There you go. That's what jet lag's about, folks. That's totally what it's like. And there you go. You saw it in the Buff Man himself. So did I call myself the Buff Man? And myself? You did. It's all right. We'll forgive you. Okay, forgive me, please. I don't, again, jet lag. Jet lag. <laughs> All right, everybody. Set your goals. Write them down. Be the best you can be to your sphere of influence. Have a very positive attitude. Step on that path as you move forward doing your best, and then you're winning. That's what life is all about. That's what we talk about here on It's Time Radio. We'll be back next week. I wish you all a wonderful week. Excuse my jet lag. And uh, TJ, you take care. Love to all. Big cheers. No fears. Buffer out. Buff man out. <laughs> you said it. I didn't. <laughs>